And my dog, I'm sitting here watching a movie on my couch. My dog, Fred, walks into the middle of the living room, looks me dead in the eye, and lifts a leg and just pees. And when I say pee, it wasn't like, a, Fred, what are you doing? And he stops. Like, it was a minute straight with just like straight locked in for a minute. And so to be fair, he was uh, on medic. He was sick, and so he was on medication. And this medication made him lose all control of all uh, facilities that he had. And so it was like his way of saying, "Hey, I need to go outside." And it was actually kind of sad because he was he was really ashamed. Like he walked away of like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to." And it was it was fine, but cleaning up that was just like, "Huh," because it was a minute of it. Like it was so much. And that was like the cherry on top for the year of 2020. Like, I don't know about you. I had a, like, that was probably the worst year of my life. Like, it was terrible. And I'm not trying to say, like, my year was so much worse than yours or anything like that. That's not helpful. But I want to tell you what happened in my 2020. It started with a car crash that uh, put a financial burden on us that, was almost backbreaking, uh, and then it went to me having to visit the ER for pneumonia, so medical bills on top of that, and then the world shut down, and we were quarantined in our little apartment for what felt like forever, uh, and then our jobs were up in the air because it was COVID, and no one had job security, and then um, my dog got sick, and that was a whole process to, to get him better. He's fine now, uh, and then our apartment was broken into and robbed, and things of ours were stolen, most of which was our sense of safety. And then I had an emergency appendectomy. They took my appendix out because it had burst. And then, and then, and like it was the year that just kept on giving all the wrong things. The struggle is real. Life is hard, especially when we try and go through it alone without friends. That's why we've been in this series, The Real, talking about what is real friendships look like. We talked how the first week, it was how we choose, real friends choose each other wisely. We are looking at how we are being impacted and how we impact others. Last week, we talked about how real friends give each other grace, uh, that we extend forgiveness and understanding and kindness to each other. This week, we're talking about how real friends give us comfort. In that year, 2020, the end of that year, I entered into a season of depression and anxiety because everything was against me. I was asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you not see the pain I'm in? Are you not there? It was the season of pain and struggle. And I didn't come out of it until somebody stepped into it. I had a friend who, who knew what I was going through, had, had seen me gradually pull away from him, gradually pull away from my friend group, and he reached out. He called me, hey, what's, I know it's been a rough year. How are you doing? How can I help? How can I encourage? How can I comfort you? And him coming alongside of me was this like domino 
effect that got me out of that. Mostly, he pointed me back to Jesus and said, he is my comfort. He showed me what it was like to find comfort in Jesus. He was a real friend. And I learned a few things through that process. One, I learned that I'm, I'm super thankful that when I'm in the thick of it, that I have people around me, that I have friends who can help inc encourage me. And in those moments, I, I find myself saying, I don't know what I would have done without you. But reality is, I've also been in situations where I haven't had friends to stick it out with me. And in those moments, that's, that saying isn't just hypothetical. It's not just, oh yeah, I don't know what I would have done without you. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to move forward. I didn't know how to deal with what was go going on in my life. I learned the importance of showing up for others because I didn't want anyone else to go through what I had gone through alone. And most importantly, I learned that comfort from God, the only one who will always be there for me, no matter what, is where I can find real rest. Paul understood this in a way that maybe we can't quite understand today. So Paul was the guy we talked about last week. He, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and saw a bright light and he was blind and somebody came and, and healed him and, and then he started talking about Jesus, right? And he, and he st started telling, talking about Jesus all over the ancient world. He would travel from city to city telling people starting churches and it was on these journeys that he encountered real hardships. He, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was uh, tr people tried to kill him. Like, he went through the dark moments of life. And yet, this is what he says in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, it's 694 if you're in the yellow Bibles. If not, it'll be up on the screens too. But this is what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. How does that make sense? How can God be the God of all comfort when, when I'm going through real dark times in my life? What does that look like? Well, Paul understood this. Paul understood this on a, on a deeper level that it is in God that any real comfort from this world comes from. We can... And sure, we can go to other sources. Like for me, myself, I tend to go to video games. I, I immerse myself in video games. I, I run away and I can try and find comfort there. But I think if I'm honest with myself, it's only a distraction. That when I come back to the real world, I'm still faced with my struggles. I'm still faced with my pain. I'm still faced with what is going on in my life. Nothing has changed when I ran away. But with God, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, a, it's an actual comfort that surpasses understanding. How does this actually happen? Well, for me, I think it, I've kind of think, thought about it in three different ways. The first is that sometimes it just happens, uh, it's this, this overwhelming presence of God in my life. The, these moments where I'm, I'm honestly praying to God, saying, God, where are you? I don't see you in my life, and I'm mad about you. 
I'm mad about this. And I'm honest with him. I'll tell him where, where I'm at, how I feel about him in the moment, how I want things to be different. It's, it's this picture of just a kid banging on his father's chest. God is big enough for that. He can take it. Be honest with him. And in those moments, for me, in my heart, I just felt this presence of God saying, I'm here, right with you, feeling these emotions with you. It's also been through the Bible of, of him bringing to mind uh, what he has told me in the Bible. For, this happened just this past weekend. So my wife and I are in the process of buying a house right now, and it's been like an up and down process, and it's too long to get into, but it's, it has been incredibly stressful. And it came to a point Thursday and Friday when we thought we were going to lose our house. We, we, did, we thought it was not going to be a thing anymore, and we're freaking out of, okay, where do we live? Like, winter is around the corner, and we don't have a place to live. It's going to snow, like, six inches tomorrow, or Friday, or sometime real soon. And what came to my head was Psalm 23, where, where the Lord says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He takes me beside green pastures and, makes me, uh, and brings me beside still waters. It was him telling me, it's going to be okay, I'll take care of you. So he comforted me through his word. But often and most oftentimes, it happens with people around us. For, for my friend calling me and saying, hey, how can I comfort you? How can I help you? And it was that simple act. In fact, it, it's almost like he designed it this way. Th this is what uh, Paul goes on to say. So who comforts us in our affliction, God comforting us, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's this picture that as, as we get comfort from God, we then turn around and give it to other people, to those around us. The progression that we see is we're comforted, we turn and comfort others. It's like God doesn't want our suffering to go to waste. And I want to be really clear. Hear me on this. God does not cause your suffering. God does not cause your suffering. He wants to redeem it. He wants to put a purpose behind it. That it's not meaningless. That in our suffering, that we can help and encourage and comfort others. For me, uh, this happened when I was in high school, in ninth grade. M my older brother, Carlos, went through a really scary health scare. He's fine now, but in that moment, he was in college six hours away in, in Milwaukee, and, and we're helpless. We can't get to him. We can't help him. We can't do anything. And it was this moment of, of God, what are you doing? I don't understand what's happening right now. But now I look back on it, and it's this moment that when I meet people who are in the same place I was, I can tell them what happened for me, that it was going to be okay, that, that uh, I can use my experience to sit there and comfort them, that it's not, uh, this, that experience for me wasn't meaningless. There, there's purpose behind it now. It's with real friends that we find comfort. 
but how does this actually happen? Like, great, this seems all great theoretically up as we're talking about it, but when the rubber meets the road, how do I actually practically comfort somebody? When a friend is struggling, maybe because they're grieving or disappointed or overwhelmed or afraid, it's, it's always easy, uh, it's not always easy to figure out how to comfort them, how to come alongside them. Sometimes uh, their need for comfort makes us really uncomfortable because we don't know what to do. We either try to ignore their feelings or or we try and distract them from it. Uh, And maybe sometimes that approach is helpful. But most of the time, our friends don't need us to ignore their pain. They need us to feel it with them. They need us to have empathy. This, this word, empathy, uh, it's this idea that we would feel other, other people's feelings with them. It's, it's, a, it's a simple word of, I'm going to try and feel this with you. I'm not going to try and fix what's going on. I'm not going to try and uh, bring some wise words or, or meet uh, this giant need that you have. I'm just going to sit here with you and feel what you're feeling. Oftentimes, in the darkest moments, our presence is the biggest help. It's like this scene from Inside Out. We're going we're gonna to watch this clip real quick. But essentially, uh, Bing Bong, who is uh, an imaginary friend of the, this person, Riley, and they're in her inner thoughts. Uh, Bing Bong is, is uh, trying to keep his dream of being best friends with Riley alive uh, centered around this wagon, and this is what happens. The stuffed animal hall of fame! My rocket! Wait, Riley and I were still using that rocket. It, 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 it still has some song power left. Who is your friend who likes to play? can't be done with me. Hey, it's going to be okay. We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. (gasps) Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, bing bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, They were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness! It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. Yeah, it's sad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay now. Come on, the train station is this way. 
Joy, the, the first character, tried to, to move past those sad feelings. He, she tried to fix Bing Bong, tried to snap him out of it. But in reality, what he needed was sadness, being willing to just feel it with him, to sit there with him, to talk about it with him. It was this just simple act. You don't need the right words. You don't need to do the right things. It's just showing up is oftentimes what's needed. The struggle is real. Life is hard. And, and maybe you've been listening to this whole thing and you're like, you know, life is pretty great right now. Like, I'm excited for a lot of things. A lot of things are going well for me. And I'm happy for you. Like, that's awesome. But the reality is there are people in this room right now that are in the thick of it, that are going through some things. And maybe it's obvious. Maybe there's been a death in their family. Maybe a loved one is in the hospital. Maybe there's uh, something that you can see and point to of, oh, they're, in, they're struggling right now. Sometimes it's more subtle than that. Maybe we're not aware of what's going on. How many of you are struggling and in need of comfort right now? You just don't know how to tell somebody. You don't know how to reach out. If, you, if, that, if that's you, I want to encourage you. Tonight is the perfect opportunity. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be afraid of. Tell somebody that you need help. Tell somebody, hey, I need a friend. Don't go home without saying anything. But what do you do? What do we do now? What, how do we move forward from this? Well, wherever you are in that spectrum, whether life's okay right now or you're in the thick of it, the model that we have from the Bible is that as we're comforted, we then turn around and comfort others with that same comfort that we share in each other's struggles and suffering, but we also share in comfort. And so I want to challenge you to do one thing this week. I want you to ask somebody, what can I do to comfort you right now? Be, be mindful, be on the lookout for opportunities that you can step into somebody's life and say, what can I do to comfort you right now? What can I do? How can I comfort you? How can I feel this with you? How can I have empathy with you? What can I do to comfort you right now? Maybe you have somebody in mind already and, and you make a plan. If you don't, keep thinking about this. Keep thinking about who do I need to reach out to? Ask one person, what can I do to comfort you right now? And then be ready to meet them where they're at. I wish I could tell you that life with Jesus meant that there would be no trouble or sorrow or grief or pain or struggle, but I can't. Even Jesus went through it. But what I can tell you is that in God, we have the God of all comfort and mercy. The God of all compassion wants to meet you where you're at and comfort you in your anger in your pain, in your confusion, he wants to meet you. And that we have 
real friends around us, friends who we can show, we can give comfort to. Because real friends comfort each other. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so good. You have come down into this world. You know what suffering and pain and anger and confusion feels like. You can sympathize with us. You know what we're going through. Would you comfort us? Would you bring us beside green pastures and still waters? Would you put on our hearts those that need a friend right now, that we can step into their lives and make a difference, that we can comfort them? Father, we love you. In your name, amen.